Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Man, was that incredible? Man, come on. God's presence is undeniable. For some of you guys, maybe that was completely new, um, and it's our prayer that you would experience moments like that, not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday morning as you're driving to work. And so there are some, some times where um, God just wants to show up and just let his presence be known. And so um, we are a church that um, submits to God's presence when we feel like he wants to do something specifically in individuals' hearts above and beyond anything that we're singing or anything that I'm going to be speaking about. Because... How many of you are thankful for a God who cares and a God that knows your every thought, your every desire, and can speak to you in a moment that you wouldn't even hear in a 30-minute sermon because he wants to speak specifically to you? So thankful for our worship team and being just obedient in that. So um, for those of you who are new, man, you showed up on a good Sunday. Listen, you fought that missing an hour of sleep. To make it here, luckily we had plenty of coffee, um, so hopefully you were able to caffeinate. Uh, My name is Steven. I'm the lead pastor here along with my incredible wife, Jennifer, and an awesome team. Um, We lead here at Avenue Church together, not because um, we think Murfreesboro necessarily needs another church, but we believe Murfreesboro definitely needs more Jesus, and we want to make as many, make as much room in God's kingdom as possible, and we know that even if every seat in every church in Murfreesboro were full, there still wouldn't be enough room, and so we want to make room for you. We want to make room for your family and friends who who need um, Jesus in their life, need a life change, and so we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we want to see you experience that, not just on a Sunday morning, but we want to see you experience that on a, on a weekly schedule. So if you're a guest with us, please text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. Let us know that you're here, how we can stay connected with you. Um, and there, you'll get a digital connection card just there at the top. Just click on that. Give us as much or as little information as you want to. And then before you leave, please stop by our connection tent on the way out. We have a gift just to say thanks for hanging out with this. And for those of you who are calling Avenue Church home, we are so honored. We want to invite you. Let us know how we can pray for you and with you. The best way to do that is through our digital connection card as well. And we do, like I share those with just a select group of people just on our, just, just close. And then my wife and I, we are covering you guys on a daily basis in prayer too. But we want to know how specifically we can pray for you. And then also, if you want to give, the easiest way to do that is Avenue Connect at 97,000 as well. So we're starting a new series today called I Am. And typically, I teach topically um, here, but we're going to pause from that and we're going to just walk through some things in the book of John. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, we'll pick up there in just a minute. But uh, John is really, the book of John is really my favorite of the four Gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John was actually written by this guy named 
John, all right, just in case you didn't know. He was one of the 12 disciples, and he also wrote First and Second John, and he also wrote the last book of the Bible called Revelations. And so, and what's, what I love about John is he really thinks a lot about himself. Like multiple times throughout this book, you see him refer to himself as the one who Jesus loves. So he saw himself as Jesus's favorite, and it's just awesome how he refers to him. But you know what? Guess who Jesus's favorite is? Point to yourself. Okay, you guys think, oh, so you? Oh, so you're the guy now? No, you are Jesus's favorite. I'm Jesus. And it's like, you know, um, parents, you know, may have favorites with their kids, but really in their own way, like every kid is their favorite in their own way. And it's the same with you. So, but John, the book of John is just like incredible. You can go as, as deep as you want. You can go as shallow as you want. It can be as intense. It can be as practical as you want. And it is a little bit different than the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or what they call synoptic gospels, and they all kind of say the same thing. But the book of John says a few things a little bit different. Um, and it's kind of broken into two parts. And John actually wrote this book in chapter 20, verse 29. He says, I recorded all these miracles so that you may believe and have the life and the power of his name. So everything that we read in the book of John, John wrote with this purpose so that you and I would believe that Jesus was God in flesh and that we could have the life that Jesus promises to have. And so you have these two parts. The first part in the first 12 chapters is what's called the, 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 the book of um, signs, and this is Jesus's public ministry. You see all these incredible miracles and all these really intimate conversations, and then the second half of the book is referred to as the book of glory, and it starts with Jesus's last night with the disciples where he's washing the disciples' feet. It starts there, and it goes all the way into you know his, his final moments here on earth, and it's crazy. John spends the whole last half of his book describing and defining in detail his experiences with his Savior in the last few moments. And so throughout this book, Jesus makes seven I am statements. And we begin today with Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it's very important that we understand the um, intensity and kind of the underlying him using those two words, I am. Because in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is called out of the desert and sending him back to Egypt to free the Israelites. Moses says, well, who should I say has sent me? And God simply says, tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am. And so when Jesus is making this statement, those around him who have heard this and have studied this and know this, they know that Jesus is making a connection between himself and God. And so it really ruffles some feathers, it stirs some people up, but he's wanting people to understand who he is and what he has came to do. And so we're going to start in verse 26 if you're in John chapter 6 and Jesus is making these allegations against himself saying that I am statements and it offends the religious people but it captivates those that are around him. And we'll start in verse 26 chapter 6 of John. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. He says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Instead, spend your money, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God gave the... For, 
for, I got to get glasses, y'all. Like, I got to, like, it's, it hit me last week. Like, I noticed that, like, man, my head really hurts. And I was like, but my eyes are squinting, and that's blurry. Ah, so I'm going this week. Y'all pray for me. I need a healing because I don't want glasses. All right. Um, it says, because I have a hard enough time, like, keeping up with wallets and cell phones and keys. I don't need glasses. I will lose them. All right. So it says, for spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Verse 29, Jesus tells them, he says, this is the only work God wants you. He wants you to believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, look, we'll believe. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, sir... Give us this bread every day. Look, if it's the true bread and it gives life, we want it every single day. In verse 35, this is where Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am. Come on, let's say it together. Say, I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so he makes this statement, and I want you to understand it in the context. Like, why is like why is Jesus talking about bread all of a sudden? He's not talking about it all of a sudden. Just right before this, in the, in the first few chapters, in the first few verses of chapter 6, Jesus has performed this miracle of feeding 5,000 men. And that's just the men in account. If you take in all the women and children, there's somewhere around fifteen to 20,000 people that he has fed according to whichever scholars that you read. And that's, that's an incredible feat. And so Jesus is on top of this hill and he sees the crowd coming and he tells the disciples, and actually they come to him and like, hey, master, we need to send them away because look, it's getting late. There's nowhere to get food. So we need to send them away. And Jesus looks at them and says, look, no, you feed them. And, it, and it's crazy, if you know the story, there was a little boy that had a sack lunch, he had some loaves of bread, he had some fishes, some fishes, that's not right, he had some fish, and they brought it to Jesus, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he multiplied it, and he fed 15,000 people, 12 people, 13 of you're counting Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Think about the, like the magnitude of that miracle, like, like that's one person feeding about 1,250 people. That's how many lived in the town I grew up in. So that's like me trying to feed my whole town. And it's hard for us to wrap our brain around that. But Jesus comes and begins to have this conversation after this has taken place because those that he fed that afternoon wake up the next morning and guess what they are? They're hungry. It's like my, my youngest daughter, she's, she's hitting a growth spurt. And that's the first thing she says when she wakes up in the morning. She comes down, is not wanting a hug, not wanting to say good morning. The first thing she says is, I'm hungry. And dad's like, fix yourself some cereal. But she's like, but we need to have a family breakfast with pancakes and bacon and eggs. I'm telling you, the girl can just consume so much for a six-year-old. And so they wake up 
hungry and they go to the beach where Jesus had just fed them. It's like, hey, they can't find Jesus everywhere. They, they realize that the one boat that was there is now gone. So they think maybe he's gone to the other side with the disciples and he had. And they show up and they find Jesus. And this is what they say to him in verse 25. And I love this. It says, they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Have you guys ever had someone ask you, it's like, hey, so what are you doing? And they really don't care what you're doing, but they want you to be doing something for them in a moment, and they're just prefacing in that just to make sure that you're not too busy. You can be a little busy, but it doesn't care. Like, they still need you to do something. Anybody have those friends? Like, hey, how's it going? But they're really not checking on you. They're checking to see what you can do. And so in my mind, that's what I see them doing. It's like, hey, Rabbi, when did you get here? I'm hungry, you know, kind of thing. And so he says, look, you're not looking for me because you want to be with me. You're looking for me because I fed you. You want something from you. Now, it's getting close to lunchtime. It's 1154, right? So how many's hungry? Let's just call it like it is, right? We're all making lunch plans. Like, all right, Stephen, you got to hurry up. I got to get there, Right. Jesus took a little too long this morning, so we'll try to get out of here, but we'll see, all right? <laughs> all right, you can get there, all right? We're all, like, we all have moments where we're hungry, and some of us get super hungry, and we become what? Hangry. It's like, I better get some food, or you're not going to want to be around me. And so hunger is actually just this uneasy feeling or craving due to a lack of something. And uneasy, and like you have no idea how uneasy. Like you ever been somewhere, and like your stomach growls, and you try to like curl in to make it stop, and it's super loud, and you're apologizing. That's that uneasy feeling. And so we have that when it comes to food. And I was doing some kind of research, and there's actually science and psychology says there's these different types of hunger. There's obviously the stomach hunger, where you're still like, I just need to get in, like I need something to get in my belly so that I can like quench that. But then there's also like they say there's like a mouth hunger to where you like just have like a specific something that you want to taste. It could be sweet. It could be salty. I joked earlier about like sweet heat barbecue chips. It's just like the perfect combination of heat and sweet. Go get a bag. It will change your life. So good. But then like you smell stuff. Like you can eat a full meal and then you go to the movie theater and you smell the popcorn. You don't need popcorn, but what do you do? You buy the popcorn because you like the smell of the popcorn, right? And then there's, there's the, the heart you know, the heart hungry. And it's like, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's emotional eating. Maybe you're bored. That's, I find myself, like I go to the pantry, see if anything else is new from like earlier today. And she's, my wife is like, you're not hungry. You're just bored. Yep. So I'm going to get two Kit Kats, <laughs> right? And so, or, or maybe we're just super stressed. Like I do a lot of stress eating right now. And so that's why I have to do fast seasons where I cut everything out. And maybe you're just depressed. You know, like sad, and you're going to watch You've Got Mail while you eat some. Some of you guys don't even know what that movie is, right? It's like, go look it up. It's incredible, right? Or Sleepless in Seattle while you're eating moose tracks, and not just any moose tracks, but you have to eat the Denali chocolate moose tracks with some sweet heat barbecue chips. Change your life, right? <laughs> but, but we all have these like physical hungers, but there's something even more. Jesus points this out. He's like, you're not with me because you want to be with me. You're with me because you're hungry. And so there's this even like beyond like food hunger, there is a what I want to call soul hunger that is on the inside of us because something is lacking. There's this uneasy feeling because something is lacking, whether it's within our relationships, whether it's within our purpose, whether it's within, you know, um, looking for approval, 
status. There is something inside of us that we're trying to satisfy. And so we do it with work. We do it with relationships. And if we're honest, we feel fulfilled for a season, but then we're hungry for something else. It doesn't always fulfill us greatly. And I was re- as I was studying, there's a theologian that said, the reason why we have that nagging hunger that's never fully satisfied is because what we have on this earth can't fully satisfy us. And so it's not until we get as believers into the presence of our Savior that we can be fully satisfied. And so, but if we're not careful, what we will do is we will pursue material things and temporary things while we're here to try to satisfy a hunger that can only be satisfied by the eternal. And so Jesus recognized this. And so we all have this hunger and we all try to satisfy it with different ways. And we spend, honestly, most of our life, like if you look at at your life up until this point, the things that you do, the things that you bought, it is to satisfy some hunger within your life. And so Jesus, like, I love the conversation here between the crowd and him because this is what we do. We, we allow our drive for possessions. We allow our drive for purpose, our drive for perfections, or maybe our weaknesses, insecurity, to drive us to satisfy this hunger that never fully satisfies. And for some of us, this is, I love this conversation. Jesus makes this statement, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So what he's saying is, look, my heavenly Father approves me. And what the people around him are thinking is like, Jesus just performed this great miracle and fed 15,000 people. So he has God's approval because of what he has done. And this is, their, this is a response. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? See, so many times we come from a standpoint of, of satisfying our hunger by trying to answer the question, what can we do? So we pursue works. We pursue a career. We pursue religious works. We pursue these things to try to satisfy that hunger for approval. And then he says, you don't understand, like you're looking for bread, but I have the bread that's going to like satisfy you every day. And there's like, hey, we want that. And so this is the other question is that, that we try to answer is, what can I get? What can I do? What can I get? We pursue works. We pursue wants. But when we come to Jesus, and this is where we're supposed to come, when we, when we bring our hunger to Jesus to satisfy us, we want him just to fix it. We want him just to satisfy it. But he doesn't just want to fill the void. He wants to address the void. He wants to address the hunger. He wants to help us understand that the hunger we have is not, in their case, is not going to be fulfilled by a fish sandwich. That it's something greater. When we come to Jesus, we are seeking him to fix it. But instead, he wants to point out the validity of our hunger, wants to point the direction of our hunger and redirect us. That's why he says in John 6, 27, he says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Instead, spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give. He's saying, stop pursuing temporary things that are only going to leave you hungry for a quick fix. And we've all done this, like, I'm super hungry. Can I just get something? And we grab a bag of Cheetos and we, we just slam them. 20 minutes later, what happens? We're hungry again, right? 
incredible story. My youngest daughter, when she was like like one or two, she was eating Cheetos before dinner, and I had to make sure, like, because mom was gone, dad had to be responsible, so I took the Cheetos away, and I put them on the table while I'm cooking dinner, and then I turn around, and the Cheetos are gone again. <laughs> Guess what she had done? She had taken the Cheetos. And so she comes walking to the kitchen, and she's got Cheetos on her face, and she's got Cheetos all over her shirt. And I'm like, what did you do to the Cheetos? But here's the catch. Her shirt was soaked. I'm like, well, so did, you, did you drool? And so I'm looking for the, like, like I'm trying to hide the evidence because mom's going to be back. And so dad's got to get her cleaned up and get rid of the Cheeto bag. Found the Cheeto bag in the bathroom, and the Cheetos were in the toilet. And she was eating the Cheetos out of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, be careful what you seek to satisfy, because in the moment it can taste really good, and those around you are be like, "You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that." I'll be like, "This is what I want right now, though." So be careful what you seek to satisfy. Yeah, be careful, because it could be you're eating Cheetos out of the toilet, and. And dad's got something better for you cooking in the kitchen, <laughs> all right? Take and do with it what you want, right? But Jesus says, stop seeking things that don't fully satisfy. And then I love this. And he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I feed you. And that hit me, guys, like just to be honest. Like in this season, I came to Jesus for what he can do for me. Because there's a lot of work that goes into planting a church and moving your family, and we all have things, and, and, and we find ourselves coming to Jesus for what he can give us. And I wrote this down. Are we pursuing Jesus for what he gives or for who he is? And see, Jesus is trying to redirect us from coming to him just so that we can get what we want. And he's saying, I want you to come to me because of who that I am. I am that I am. And in this moment, he's saying, I am the bread of life. And whoever eats of this bread will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Because see, when we come to Jesus, he alone, and we sing this, only Jesus can satisfy our hunger, ultimately. And when you look at bread in this time, and like we go to restaurants and, you know, we don't really go to restaurants for their bread. Maybe, you know, maybe you do. There are some restaurants that have really great bread, but we go to a steakhouse, not for the bread, but we go to a steakhouse for what? The steak. And so you look at this, it's like, it's just, it's just bread. But in this time, in the Mediterranean diet, like, like the bread was the staple. Like if you had bread and water or bread and a little bit of wine, like, like that was a meal then. And so they were looking for Jesus to provide another meal. And so I got to thinking about, you know, some of the greater restaurants that have, have really good bread. And anybody ever been to Lambert's? See, it'd be, been a great illustration if I had some rolls here and you raised your hand and I just chunked one at you. I should have thought of that, right? And so it's, it's, it's the home of the throwed rolls, right? You go to Olive Garden with the breadsticks and get some Alfredo sauce to eat with the breadsticks. It's incredible. Just add it on there, dip it in there. Or you go to, you know, Logan's, rest in peace, right? I mean, had incredible, <laughs> incredible rolls. They just collapsed. And the Texas Roadhouse is almost as good, not quite there. But, but you think when you go to the restaurant and they bring you the bread, what do you wind up doing? Just eating it. 
Like, like I have to set a limit with my kids. Look, we get, we get three loaves, that's it. And then you don't get anything else until after you've eaten your meal because you fill up on it. And then when they bring you your food, you spend all this money on it, but you're not really hungry for it because you've eaten all the bread, right? The good thing is you have like dinner the next day, right? But I got to thinking about this. I was like, what, what if we were so satisfied with Jesus that we didn't want what anybody else brought us? What if, and, and, and here's the thing, I was joking, like, the bread's kind of free, sort of, you pay for it in there, but like when I was a broke college kid, my fraternity on Sunday nights, we would always go to O'Charlie's after our, our meeting, and I had no money, and so I would eat O'Charlie's rolls and drink water, and then leave like a $2 tip, but I would fill up, because I couldn't afford anything else, and here's the thing, Jesus wants to fill us up, whether we can afford anything else or not, and so we take that and we fill up on that, and we don't want what the world has to offer. But we want to push the bread aside and take what the world has to offer. And then we come to Jesus, and we're asking him, can you fix this? And we say, I can, but you need me first. Let me redirect your hunger, because the hunger that you have is a symptom of something deeper. And he doesn't just want to fix you a sandwich. He wants to fix your heart. And so we come to this place and we hear him say, I am the bread of life. And so let me ask you, for those who are here and you're not following Jesus, what are you supplementing? What are you substituting for Jesus? What relationships are you substituting? What drives, what passions are you substituting to fill a hunger that will never actually be satisfied? And for the rest of us who have been following Jesus, for me, this here is like Jesus, like I felt like he said to me, you come to me not because you understand me. You come to me because I take care of you. But he wants us to come to him just to be with him. And so I want us to close our eyes. I want us to bow our heads. I want us to take just a moment. And I just want us to do a, a self-reflection. And wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus, whatever your hunger is, whatever your desire, whatever your lack, whatever your uncomfortable feeling is, it's our prayer that that emptiness would be filled with the bread of life. That that emptiness would be satisfied through a relationship with Jesus, not just for what he can give you, but for who he is. And I love the scripture in Isaiah where the prophet says, he says, why spend your money on something that's not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? He says, listen closely to me and you will eat what is good and your soul will enjoy the richest of food that will satisfy you. See, God wants to satisfy you in this moment. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here's what I want you to do. You're simply going to acknowledge that you're empty. And you've tried to fill that void with things that didn't satisfy. But Jesus has given you his life to satisfy that emptiness. And so now you're at a place where you say, Jesus, I give you my life to satisfy that. And so maybe you're here and you need a relationship with God. You need a fresh start with God. And here's what I want you to do. Just simply acknowledge that by lifting your hand this morning. Just simply acknowledge that by lifting your hand this morning. Awesome. 
and he sees your hand. Even if you don't lift your hand, he sees your heart. He knows your struggles. He knows your insecurities. And he accepts you just the way that you are. And for the rest of us in here, how many of us would say that we've been following Jesus, but we've been following at times and we've been coming to him for what he could give us instead of for who he is? And if that's you, would you just lift your hand? All right, look up here at me. Awesome, awesome. Now, some of you who raised your hand for salvation, raising your hand doesn't save you. It simply acknowledges that you need a Savior. And from this moment on, when we pray, it's not my words, but it's your words, and you're simply gonna say, Jesus, I give you my life. And you know what? That's something that we should all do each and every single morning when we wake up. Jesus, I give you my life today. I didn't live so well for you yesterday, but today I'm gonna do the best I can. In this moment, when we pray, you're simply going to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. And in that moment, he does, all, actually, the work's already been done. He just confirms it in your life. He takes care of it in your life. And for the rest of us, we come to a place and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry, where I've tried to sustain my life on things other than you. And I've been selfish with our relationship, and I'm only coming because of what you can do for me instead of coming to you for who you are. And so I want us to pray together with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you first and foremost for your presence in this room. God, we thank you that even before I have to say a single word that you are here by the very nature of your promises that you inhabit the praises of your people. When we gather in your name, you are here. And so God, there has been a heart work that is done today. And for those that lifted their hand or lifted their heart saying, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. God, I pray that you would remove the guilt and the shame and the sin that holds them back. But God, that you would fill them with life. God, that you would fill them with, with your presence, God, with your strength. As they push away the things of this world and they pull close the bread of life. For God, for the rest of us, God, who have been following you and maybe we followed you close, but it's been out of selfish reasons. God, convict us and bring us to a place to where we just seek you to seek you. Just as Mary sat at your feet just to be near you, God, bring us to a place where we just wanna be near you. Not out of selfish ambition or what we can gain, but because of who you are. So Father, help us to see you as the bread of life that sustains and satisfies every hunger that there is. So Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning. Incredible.